Hello and welcome back to the True North Canadian Football Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schwan. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Schwan CFL or on Instagram at Mike Schwan. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Taylor Curry SK. Kennington, you can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington and on Twitter at CJK underscore Carter. Awesome. Don't forget to follow the show on social media. Our Twitter and Instagram are True North CF Pod and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Facebook. You can also listen to the show on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So without further ado, let's jump into the news. So apparently there are some Vernon Adams uh, trade rumors. Taylor, do you want to touch on these a little bit? Yeah, there was a tweet and delete this weekend by the Elks new GM, and uh, he had like this paper in the corner of the tweet, and people zoomed in, and you could see it, and the top thing that was on the list was Vernon Adams' trade, and it had a check mark beside it. So there's been lots of whirlwind, and the tweet got deleted. Nothing's happened, but there's been lots of talk about seeing it happen. So no updates yet, but it's it's on the radar, so just keep your eyes open for now. For sure, I think that's something that we kind of talked about teams maybe trading for Vernon Adams services, and I know the Elks were a team that was on that list, so it's definitely a possibility. And speaking of trades and Montreal, they acquired the negligent rights to Laurent Duvernay-Tardif of NFL notoriety, uh, most notably playing with the Kansas City Chiefs, um, Super Bowl champion, played for the Jets most recently. And I believe is currently a free agent. I know he, I believe he left the NFL now for a bit to get his MD at McGill. He oh, had left. He had left during the COVID a, season to go help with that, but now he's leaving for that. So, when he's like a doctor working now, I believe, yeah. in Quebec, like that, yeah. and that's why I think they took his rights just in case anything happens. Yeah, that's exactly why. Is because he's in that area right now. For finishing his graduate degree so he probably they're thinking hey maybe if he still wants to play football and do this this could be an opportunity i think maybe that's where they're going with it but personally mm-hmm. i don't see it happening he's he's no. too good for the cfl um once he's done getting his graduate degree done i think he'll probably just go back to the nfl and then the elks signed malik irons and also this week, moved Sherman Beatty down to the practice roster. And Taylor was very excited about this news. His boy, <laughs> Deron Carter, was a full participant in practice for the first time. So, with an injury? Was that what that was? Yeah, yeah. He had oh, a okay. leg, some sort of leg injury. I don't know what it was, but. Yeah, he was a full participant for like the first time today, so maybe he'll actually play this week. He's going to be starting at safety, wreaking havoc. Zach Kolaris going to throw infinite pick sixes. It's over, I'm telling you. When Deron Carter <laughs> started at DB, it is over. But You better pick their defense this week, then. Oh, yeah. And then <laughs> Ticats hire Kahari Jones, uh, who former head coach of the Montreal Alouettes, as a football operations consultant. This is probably... Just something for Kahari to do this season until he finds a head coaching gig in the offseason. Uh, Duke Williams threw a helmet at Shaq Richardson, 
uh, Shaq Richardson. Ugh, I'm stuttering. Shaq Richardson before the Touchdown Atlantic game this week, and Shaq Richardson also alleges that Duke spit on him. Uh, oh, and we'll we'll touch on kind of this a bit more later in the pod. I'll just say that much. And Craig Dickinson announced Cody Fajardo's odds to play this week against the Argos are 50-50. So, two, two, it's not a good time to be a Ryder fan right now. I'll say that much. <laughs> We're hurting. I mean, you say that, but like at the same time, what? You're like four and two? Yes, but also like our team is a train wreck right now. That's, I guess that's fair. You're not looking good towards the future, but. Yeah, four and two gets you third place, and BC's only one win in front. Then they'll be in front of us, so. Mm hmm. But the thing is, do you want to go? I mean, I feel like we have this debate every year. Do you want to go to the East? I kind of do. We were talking about that earlier, but. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Bombers, Riders, Grey Cup, and the Bombers are the home team in Saskatchewan? (laughs) Dude. (laughs) That'd be insane. Oh, that'd be ridiculous, yeah. Yeah. And then let's jump into this uh, last week of games here. So, the Elks, uh, to the surprise of pretty much everyone, pulled off the upset. 32-11 to versus Montreal. Um, and we're going to get to this first. How do the Alouettes look after their coaching change? Well, not good enough to beat Edmonton, so that's got to say something there. You know, I, I don't think they did the right thing by hire, or firing Kahari Jones. Like, he is a great coach. He hasn't done bad with all the turmoil there. So, uh, to lose to Edmonton like that at home, I'm going to say uh, they don't look good after the coaching change. Yeah, they look worse. Yeah. You're going to sugarcoat it. They look worse. You fired him due to disciplinary issues and then got double the penalty yards <laughs> oh they got more than double i'll pull up the numbers for you actually kenny lawler kenny lawler alone um was able to get edmonton 108 yards for free i mean no that it was the db covering him that got them all those yards i think that dude kept getting yeah, but like that's, calls. What, that's what i'm saying though it was like one yeah, he got the was able to do that to you yeah, that's bad a whole football field minus two yards yep that Eric Sutton dude got burned for and at least cost them two touchdowns. At least. I think maybe there was a third one. Have you seen the screenshot of him doing like a cross body suplex on the guy? Like Yeah, and he was arguing like, how's that passing it feels? It's like, bro, you can't yeah. do that. <laughs> this like, is not the WWE. I know in the NFL sometimes they'll mug guys before the ball even gets there and it's not called, but like, dude, CFL is completely different. And then uh-huh. But I got the numbers here. So the Kahari Jones Montreal Alouettes averaged 68.75 yards uh, per game in penalty yards. Uh, This Montreal squad got, I believe it was 198 in this game. So you almost, you almost triple that number. And that's where the Owls are. So generally a team gets a boost after a head coach is fired in most pro sports anyway, because yeah. it gets the players butts in gear because after the coach is gone, you're next on the chopping block for sure. And yeah, just ugh, you not a good look. And then what were your thoughts on Cornelius this game? You know, for his first game this year, like he didn't play that bad with all the, th- like all the other quarterbacks that have went through there so far. For him to get the victory, 
on the road, you know, he, he could have played a lot worse. So I'm going to say he didn't play too bad. Like, not a fantasy quarterback, but he could have played a lot worse. Yeah, um, honestly, not too upset with how he was playing. Um, 19 for 31, 60%, 231 TD, one pick, long 38. About what you'd expect from a quarterback who's going to be, um, you know, taking a game and having it go either way, which that was this game. Um, luckily he came out on the right side of it, so good for him. But yeah, not um, not too much to complain about. I am going to use one of Carter's favorite word or two words, I guess. Game manager. Uh, that's what I think of Cornelius's performance. I think he it was that's he was good enough that he didn't get them the win, but he didn't cost them either. Is what I would say about his performance. He was kind of a net neutral for me. That's fair. But at the same time, uh, if we're ranking him on all the Elks quarterbacks we've seen so far, better than Arbuckle, uh, probably better than Loxley. Uh, don't know if he's better than Trey Ford, but yeah, like those are the top two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, can Edmonton compete, or was this game just more of a one-off? No, I really think they're going to... Like, I don't think they're going to be the best team in the league by any means, but I do think they'll shape up a bit. Uh, you know, it's a new coach and a new system, new team. Everyone's kind of new here, and there's a lot of new stuff going on. So I think now that they're starting to mesh, they could play spoiler for some teams at the end of the season, but I don't think they're going to be like a playoff contender or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're going to do better than stay at the bottom, I think. Um, yeah, exactly. That's pretty much how I was feeling. I was like, yeah, if we're talking about competing as in like competing for like winning the division, then no, but like competing for a playoff spot and like holding it down in the middle of the pack. Absolutely. I could see this team getting there. I think this is a spoiler team. I don't think they're good enough to push Saskatchewan, EC Calgary out of, you know, that dog pile after Winnipeg. So they're kind of out for the crossover and out for that third spot, in my opinion. But I think they could surprise some teams, especially in the East, who it might be a little bit tighter of a race uh, in terms of like teams just being like 500 or whatever and getting in. I can see Edmonton definitely playing spoiler for somebody for sure. And then, quick one, bigger choke, uh, Montreal or Hamilton? You know, I'm still going to say Hamilton for now because they've had some really, really bad ones, but this is definitely up there. You know, you're at home against what is not a good team at the time, and they lit you up at home in the second half. So that's, uh, yeah, it was a big choke, but I don't think as big as Hamilton. Yeah, no, that Hamilton collapse was really bad. Um, this, like, yeah, I, I, for me, it's not a debate. It's Hamilton's. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think this one is for sure Hamilton, just because I feel like Dane Evans kind of gave that game away uh, a couple weeks ago. And then let's jump into the next game here. In the Battle of the Undefeated Titans, Winnipeg comes out on top, defeating the Stamps 26-19. to And then, is Winnipeg just a cut above everybody else this year? And then my follow-up to this would be, are you taking the Bombers or every other team to win the Cup? Like, if you could pick, you could bet on either just the Bombers or the 
entire rest of the league, who are you picking? Uh, well, I'm going to go... Okay, so to answer your first question, I think they are a cut. Sorry, a cut above everybody else. It's just... They've, they've beaten everyone that's unbeaten. They've done everything they can, you know, like they're they're unstoppable right now. And I think it's their Grey Cup to lose. So like, yeah, I'm putting them there. And I really think, yeah, it, it's theirs to lose at this point right now because they're unstoppable. No, nobody's been able to do it. The best other teams haven't been able to do it. Yeah, um, nobody's like not everybody's had the shot to do it yet. And, you know, football's a weird sport when you got teams that are like, you know, any team can really be any team on any given Sunday. Right. But um, I think just like as a total unit, yeah, I think Winnipeg is um, right now the team to beat. Um, that being said, though, um, this is maybe just the gambler in me talking, but like I never, ever bet a single person against the field or a single team against the field. Yeah, I just feel like especially in a especially in um, a sport like football, that is like one and done playoffs. Yeah, it's like you show up and have a bad day. You could be going home early. For sure. I think the only other team that's capable of beating Winnipeg is the Riders, and the Riders are kind of a hot mess right now. So, they've taken out BC, who is the sexiest team in the league, and has probably been I would say the next best team, and then Calgary, who it just beat this week, who looks like they've turned back the clock just a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I just... I want to see how they do against Sask, but I'm leaning towards taking the Bombers here. And then, will Calgary hold on to second place, or will Sask or BC catch up? You know, if if the if it keeps up the way it's going right now, I think second, like that's they're gonna stay there, and BC will be their competition. If the Riders keep up with the the poor penalties and the bad decisions in the game. They're not going to be able to have that home playoff game. So right now I'm saying it's it's Calgary's, but BC could really contend for it if they keep it up. Yeah, I was actually going to say, I think BC is going to be the team that catches up um, as to a point that we're going to uh, mention later on in just a moment here. Um, yeah, I just feel like BC, I'm more confident in BC winning when I watch them play, which is weird because Calgary was able to keep it close against BC when BC wasn't. But I feel like just their... When they play against other teams, I just watch BC dismantle them as opposed to like Calgary just keeping up with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, my logic says it's Calgary because they have a veteran team who's been there, done that, and they have a great coaching staff. But BC has just looked like superhuman against everybody else. So I think BC can catch up the Riders. They're not getting those give me wins that we should be getting against the East, whereas I think the rest of the West will probably get most of those. So I don't see them quite catching Calgary, just for the time being at least. And then we're going to talk about this. Calgary hasn't won a game against an above 500 opponent this year. Is that concerning? Well, I mean, they're not winning those games when it counts right now. I it like it's not like they've lost a hundred games. They've only lost one, but it was to kind of your first big opponent and your first big test on the road. So I think it does speak a little bit that they have some work to do, and I don't think they'd catch up to Winnipeg anytime soon. But they'll still definitely compete with BC, like we were saying. Uh, so I I don't think it's like super concerning. Because like you still have lots of games left, but 
it's something you got to look at. Like if you can't win the West games, it's going to be a problem for your team. Yeah, that's the big one. Is that just um, it's scary because what is uh, what is Calgary's interdivisional or what's their divisional record? Um, can we? Let me I think they've just they played Edmonton, haven't they? Calgary, divisional, um, two and one. Two and one, yeah. Um, so they played Edmonton twice. Then I'm assuming. I think yeah. so. Yeah. They have, um, it, but it's like Alberta twice. Yeah. Yeah, and then they lost to the Bombers, so it's like it's scary because yeah, they haven't played the other two good Western teams, you know. Yeah. So, so I would just yeah, I'm a little concerned, but I I guess that's more of a fear of the unknown versus anything else. That's fair. Uh, I think you could also make the same argument for the Riders too. So, I just think we're a bit too early into the season to be concerned about that. Uh, I do think Calgary has looked a lot better than they have in previous years with this team, especially Bo. Uh, his shoulder looks like it's good now, and I do think they can definitely compete with those two other Western teams, so I wouldn't be too concerned if I'm a Stamps fan. Hey, just something to add on to that. Um, uh, oh, no, sorry, I lost it. I had I had a train of thought, but it's gone. Sorry. It's all good. We'll, we'll jump into the next game. Oh, so I got it, actually. Oh, you got sorry, it? I came right, right back. Yeah, okay, so... Just kind of talking about the Riders, too. It's the same thing, though. Like, both of their losses have come on the road on the East. And, I mean, Touchdown Atlantic's a little different, but still, they're both East road losses. So, that, I mean, that's got to say Calgary you can't have every... Or the Winnipeg one isn't a Eastern loss, though. Oh, no, I'm saying for the Riders. Oh, yeah, both both for the Riders, yeah. Like, yeah, those are concerning. Yeah, like, if you can't win those, what everyone else is having for, like winning games and you can't win those they're gonna matter come down the stretch yeah like i was talking about uh when we were talking about who can catch up like the riders aren't winning those give me games that they should be winning and i think that's gonna hold them back oh absolutely so now let's move on to touchdown atlantic where the argos uh narrowly beat the riders uh 30 to 24 now let's start this off on a positive note all right, before we get into some of the <laughs> ugly stuff, what were your thoughts on just touchdown Atlantic, the event? Like, throw the results of the game out. What do you think of the environment and the holes to get up for touchdown Atlantic? Oh, it looked awesome. Like, they put on, like, on social media, everything looked like lots of fun. They had lots of players doing lots of different things, and they had, like, an attendance of over 10,000 there, so... No, it, it looked really fun. Like, if I lived out there, that would have definitely been part of my day to go to that. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think they could have put on a better show. Um, just kind of a side note on it, I will say that it's interesting. The group from the Schooners was there, but they didn't want to put anything in because the league hasn't talked to them in quite a while. So it's uh, it's interesting. But, yeah, it, it shows that there is support out there, though, and they love it. So hopefully we get something out there soon. Yeah, um, I mean, Touchdown Atlantic, I was sat there watching it, and it just looked like a party to the point that, like, me and uh, me and some buddies were like, if the Bombers get selected next year, hopefully they do, we're going to go. Like, it looks like so much fun. And yeah. I haven't gotten the chance to go out to Atlantic Canada ever, so that is definitely something that I want to get the ability to experience. And plus, if I can watch the Bombers play, that's even more reason to go out there. Yeah, good excuse, yeah. For sure. Uh... <laughs> I can say I've actually been to Halifax. Um, I was there for flag football nationals, and I can say that beautiful city. It's uh, 
Uh, I've been to Boston too. It's a lot like that, but smaller. Um, great environment. Uh, if you like seafood, great place to be. Um, but yeah, Touchdown Atlantic, man, that just looked awesome. I, I, it looks like one of the better environments I've seen at a CFL game in terms of. I wouldn't say it's quite a rider game vibe, but it was. No, it's the closest also... we've probably seen to that, except for maybe in Winnipeg. I would say. I mean, you're sat there with ten thousand people. You're not going to get like up to a rider experience. Oh yeah, but the no. the environment take out the number of people. Like the vibes were awesome. You know. Well, hey, there was more fans there than an at, at an actual Argos game. That's so. true. They sold out with ten thousand, <laughs> and the Argos had nine thousand the week before. So. Actually, exactly. did get better attendance, <laughs> and then so yeah. Overall, I really like the touchdown Atlantic thing. I think it would have been better if they had something to announce. Uh, I was reading an interview that Three Down did with the mayor of, I believe, it's Halifax, and they oh, talked yeah. about how there it was a clickbaity headline I'm not gonna lie it said there's no political appetite for a stadium but they also talked about how there's a temp stadium for the wanderers there that i believe holds around like 10,000 5,000 something like that and they were talking about how that team wanted something more permanent and that's probably the way that you get the stadium built is you get like a twenty, a little over twenty thousand seat stadium built in Halifax, because they said, you know, there isn't the political appetite for this big thirty thousand seat stadium. And I was thinking when I read that, well, that's fine because Tim Hortons Field and the Red Black Stadium are both smaller than twenty thousand. I think they're just over twenty. So I could totally see them building something like that in Halifax. And they talked about how stuff got put on the back burner due to COVID. Obviously, funds had to go elsewhere with that. So now that we're kind of entering out of that, I feel like it's possible that we see the stadium get brought up again, especially after such a successful event. It it could be something Hopefully. that's brought up. Yeah. And then now let's get to the negative stuff. Uh <laughs> How do the riders solve their discipline issues? Because this has been a, a trend for a while now. Oh, you know, it's tough. It doesn't seem like uh, the players are learning their lessons. There's still lots of fighting and lots of chirping going on and lots of accusations against the riders' players for doing some not really good stuff at all. So it's it's not going to help the team and it's not going to get us wins if we're playing dirty. It's not going to last. And I just don't know what they're going to do, though, because you're six weeks into the season and you're already having troubles controlling it when you were having troubles last year controlling it. So I, I think it might be like, that's the Craig Dickinson flaw maybe in his coaching is that he can't control these guys. He can coach them, but he can't control them. That could, that could be the real thing. Yeah. The, well, the one thing I noticed, we mentioned it before the podcast was that when asked if they were going to bench Cody Fajardo, I don't know when this was, but he had said like, Oh, um, if I did that, we'd have a fight on our hands, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, you are the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders football club. The group that, like, a lot of people would claim to be the team of, like, you know, the Canadian football team, right? Yep. So take control of the situation. And if your player needs to be sat for a couple of games to heal, you do that. Because now 
we have a situation where Cody Fajardo, who is a great player and great person for this league, is again out, possibly, for an extended period of time. Yeah. Uh, to go back to Taylor's kind of thoughts on Craig Dickinson's style, I do kind of agree that he can't really control these guys, or at least there's a couple of them that he can't. And I would describe kind of the way he handles the players as like, I call it the disappointed dad approach. Like I had a, <laughs> yep. I had a boss who like, he never had to yell at us or anything like that. But like, you knew when you let him down and it was like, ah, oh, crap, you know, and you felt bad about it and whatever. But that doesn't work uh, with everybody, as we've seen with the riders. And I think in that situation, you kind of you need a heavy to kind of bring in the discipline. And I don't know if they're doing that right now, because even when the Marino thing happened, uh, Dickens said he didn't really yell at the guys. He just basically told them when practice was and he left. And I mean. That's going to send a message to, I'm sure, some of the players, but the ones you're not getting through to, I don't think they're going to care if you do something like that. So they kind of need a heavy in the room to lay into guys who need to be laid into. Like, yeah. Uh, Chris Jones and Corey Chamberlain, previous coaches, were definitely not shy about laying into guys when they screwed up. And but, Craig I mean... just isn't that guy. So I think. Maybe you have to get Moss more involved as being that heavy. And I think he could definitely do that, but what about know. your what about your veteran leadership though? Like these veterans on the team too should also be saying, like, guys, this is enough. You guys are hurting this team, being selfish right now. Like this is yeah, it's affecting us and it we're it's costing us games. Well, the veteran leadership for me obviously isn't getting it done. They're not getting the message through. So I think yeah. the you need the coaches who are supposed to be the adults in the room to lay the hammer down. And I just, I don't think Craig is that guy. I think he's, I don't think he's the guy to go and lay into somebody, or at least he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. So I think you might need to tap Moss on the shoulder and be like, Hey, you know, did you lay into the guys, you know, after I leave the locker room? Like, sure. You know, and, but otherwise, yeah, I don't know how you solve this issue other than, you know, I don't say you look for a coaching chains because uh, with Craig, the results have been there. But this discipline issue is going to nip us in the butt, so I think you need to look for an in-house solution for that. Yeah. And, and then do the Argos look like they have come together? And then if so, do you think it has had an impact on their on-field performance? Uh, you know, I I don't know if come together is the right word. Like, the East is still a really, like, uh all over the place division right now but two wins is better than the one that the other guys have or zero so uh you know i they have a really good defense and it's shown the past few weeks their offense is kind of it's been hit or miss and they've had some kind of on the bench problems so i think that's hindered them a bit but it seems like they're they might be getting there like yeah it, they won a good game on at home technically so yeah, I mean, they could be very well on the road to getting there. It's just, it might take another week or two to see how well they're really going to do. Yeah, exactly, right? It's like, um, they won at home, but did they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, I think this Toronto Argonauts team is uh, slowly starting to get the pieces back together. Again, a near, like, again, almost taking Winnipeg overtime, um, and then they beat Saskatchewan and Nova Scotia. Like, I think this team can definitely still make waves. 
uh, them being the boatmen. <laughs> anyway, hey, um, see what you did there. But, but, but anyway, anyway, um, it's just like yeah, I think that they could definitely do some uh, do some stuff. But again, it's like I just don't know how far they can go with just how weak the East has been. For sure, and they definitely they look better than the week before. The week before, I thought they were falling apart. So. Hopefully this dub helps the team kind of bond a bit more and kind of build up because they have some pieces on that team that I really like. So I feel like they could be a good team. But yeah, they just, they kind of need to build their chemistry for sure. And then this is coming to the discussion, especially recently. Do the riders sit Cody and let him heal rather than leave him out there? You know, like something's got to give you like your O line is not protecting him good. And like, he's, he's getting hit all over the place. So yeah, I think you have to rest him, but you play Toronto this week in Saskatchewan, you play BC in Saskatchewan this weekend, then, then you have a buy. So I honestly think you would sit him this week, maybe put him in against BC, depending on how Mason fine does. And then you give him that extra week too there to take off and like have some time off. But yeah, I think they're definitely going to need to sit him soon because if they don't, like, he's going to be a long term and then they're going to be hurting even more. Yeah, no, this is definitely, um, like, I'm surprised that it hasn't already happened. Like, I mean, personally, whenever I see that someone's, like, wearing a brace under their football gear, like, that's that's worrisome. It's that's This is an aggressive yeah. sport. Yeah. You are a high-value target for these big men to come, like, throw you onto the ground. And, and we so did see some of that um, this weekend. On a, yeah, there's yeah. definitely some uh, some back and forth happening between the uh, Argos and the Riders. Yep. Yeah, I was going to mention, like, Sean Oakman kind of took a shot at that leg with a brace on it. You saw him grab it and he twisted it. And it's like, hmm, very Simone-like behavior there. But, yeah, um, I think you have to. Because, yeah was right. I think he has a bit of a target on his back right now. Um, Riders as a team kind of have a sh- target on their back right now. So I would sit Cody going into the bye. Uh, let him rest. Just say you're giving Mason Fine a shot, you know, or something. I don't know how you justify it. But yeah, I would I would just let him rest. Uh, let him get fully 100% coming out of the bye week. Because otherwise... You don't want to jeopardize him for when when it matters, you know. And then exactly. let's jump into the next game here. Hamilton getting their first dub of the year. Let's go. Uh narrowly beating the Red Blacks. Oh you know, it's looked okay, so I think she's like quarterback plus Red Blacks. Uh 25 to 23. Now if you are Ottawa, uh, do you stick with Caleb Evans after this game, or do you give Nick a chance? Well, I think you probably give Caleb one more week, but you traded for Nick, so I don't see them like not putting him in, especially for... I think he had a decent contract, so I don't think they're just going to let him ride the pine for that, whereas Caleb Evans doesn't have a mega contract or a, a bigger one, so I definitely think we'll be seeing Nick Arbuckle like, kind of once he gets a grasp of the playbook, but it is interesting because I don't think Paul Police was a big fan of him. 
and like traded him away originally. So it's going to be interesting to see how it'll all work out because he was there, never played and got traded. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that works out. Well, it wasn't the trade. It was a um, it was basically just they cut him. Toronto cut Matt Nichols. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, personally, I feel like you got to stick with Caleb Evans because I was personally pretty shocked with how Caleb Evans played, like in a good way. Um, I think that you could possibly see some success with him. I feel like he was a lot more confident than what we've seen from him before. Um, uh, yeah, I think you give him another shot. For sure. I think you give Caleb Evans uh, another shot after this game. For me, he he definitely over kind of passed my expectations, you know, in terms of what I expected from him based on last year. I know they said he really grew in the offseason and they have a lot of faith in him. So I think he's definitely good enough this week to give him another shot. And Nick Arbuckle, I don't know. Um, again, I honestly just shrug when you're asking for Nick Arbuckle opinion at this point. I was a believer. Thought he was getting better week to week in Edmonton, and then when he came in for Trey Ford, he looked absolutely brutal, which Nick Arbuckle will do sometimes. He'll look really good, or look like he's getting there, and then just have a completely garbage week. So, I have no idea what to think of him. Caleb Evans could very well do that next week as well, but I do think Caleb Evans is a bit more of like a prospect quarterback, so I think you give him that long look to see what he can do. And then... Well, the Ticats turn it around after getting their first dub, after getting the monkey off their back, uh, per se. You know, you, you never know, really. They're, like, they do have four losses on the season already, but they're still in second place. They're only one game behind Toronto in first place. So it, anything could happen. And I mean, what they're in BC this week, so that'll be tough. And then they host Montreal, so they could win that. And then they go to Toronto, so they could win that too. So... Things could turn around really quick for them. And I mean, yeah, like I think like we saw the Dane Evans that they wanted this week. And I and I just hope that we get to see him for the rest of the season because it was nice to see him go what he had 75 percent, 21 of 28, 350 yards almost and two touchdowns. That's it's a good game for him, especially with the turnover ratio he's had this year. Yeah, I mean, the thing is for the Ticats is like this is a nice feel good win, but then you turn around and you go right into BC place, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and odds are you're going to get smoked. Then yeah, luckily you get to host Montreal, but Hamilton at home hasn't necessarily been amazing. And then, yeah, they traveled to Toronto, which they could win. So yeah, either two and one or one and two going through, uh, going through this. I do feel like Hamilton has a fairly decent shot at taking down Toronto, but yeah, just, you know, like, I don't know. It's just like, I hate to say it for Ticats fans, but in terms of championship caliber teams, I feel like they missed their window. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, for sure. I think you're right about that because this team, like, this is the Super Bowl hangover, except they didn't win the Super Bowl type of deal. At least that's how I kind of look at this team because they're because they hosted the party. Yeah, exactly. So they're they're still in shambles, but yeah, I think they're going to get a wake up call against BC and then. I don't know what to expect from this team after that, honestly. Like, I had higher expectations than this. I thought Toronto would be better than them, but they've looked terrible this year, so I don't know. And then, power rankings. Let's jump into those. For me, 
Taylor and I have the same picks, so... Yeah. First... You can just read it off. Yeah, I'll just read it off, and then Carter can do his, because his is a little different. So, I have Winnipeg number one, uh, Calgary number two, BC three, Toronto four, Sask dropping all the way to fifth, um, Edmonton right behind them at sixth, uh, Montreal in seventh, Hamilton in eighth, and Ottawa at ninth. Yes, this is definitely going to make some uh, some Edmonton fans very angry. Um, I don't take a lot of stock in this win, though. Um, so I have still Montreal above Edmonton. Um, stay mad, don't care. Um, <laughs> but I've also got Winnipeg, Calgary, BC, Toronto, Sask, then Montreal, Edmonton, Hamilton, and Ottawa. There we go. Now, let's jump into our CFL Fantasy Best Positional Options. So... I have, like, three quarterbacks this week that I think are advisable to take. Uh, Nathan Rourke. Nathan Rourke is basically a guarantee to get you 20 to 30 points, and he's got a really nice matchup going against Hamilton, so I think he leans higher. The higher part of his fantasy ceiling drops 30-something, but that's just speculation on my end. Polaros has progressed well in fantasy. Um... Got me 20 points last week, so better than I expected. He'll he'll be a solid, like, around that 15-point range. He's always in there somewhere, so he's a very safe type of pick. And then I have Caleb Evans as a buy-low kind of risk-reward quarterback for this week in terms of Hamilton, he produced tons of fantasy points, but with Dane Evans, or not Dane Evans, sorry, Caleb Evans, he can kind of be up and down. Like, he'll have weeks like this, and then he'll struggle. So, that is why I have him. It's kind of a high-risk, high-reward option, but he's also cheap. So, any and other QBs you would pick there? Caleb Evans had 24 fantasy points last week. With his two rushing touchdowns, he had 24 fantasy points. Was that just rushing, or is that, like, No, overall? he had 18.8 with rushing, and then 8.1 with passing. Oh, yeah. Okay, so there you go. So, That's why. Yeah. I'd say you had it right, except if you want to get really risky and pay attention to how closely they're going to play it. Cody Fajardo, they have said he's 50-50, but the Riders are at home, so if they do play him, he could play a good game, but he is injured, so that's a really risky one. Ten grand for a hurt QB, I would probably stay <laughs> away from that. Um, well, you know someone's going to pick a man. Oh, somebody is, but take the green shades off, man. If you're trying to win, that's not a good pick. Uh, what about you, Carter? As for myself, I am rolling on the Caleros train. Um, I think Caleros going into an Edmonton team that hasn't won since before the pandemic. Um, I think that he's going to be able to put up some numbers. Fair enough. And for running backs, I found this a really hard week for running backs. So, Jamal Morrow, very expensive. He's lost that return job to Alford, so you're not going to have that low floor anymore. But I think he's more than shown that he's a legit good pick, regardless of those return yards being gone now. Don Jackson had a nice comeback. I still don't know if I trust him, but I mean, like I said, it's slim pickings this week. Walter Fletcher is a home run hitting running back, so I think he had eight points last week. I picked him. Uh, he's a guy that'll get you eight to ten points or could get you a huge number of points, depending on if he busts a big run. So. For me, that's another advisable pick. Um, 
The word on the street is Johnny Augustine is going to be starting for the Bombers. Uh, if that turns out to be true, I would recommend him. He's definitely, of the three-headed monster, he's looked the best. So if they intend to use him as their main guy, uh, Elks don't have a good run defense. So I would advise that pick. And I've got an asterisk on Sherman Beatty because he was put on the practice roster just today. and. This could be some Chris Jones messing around with the roster to confuse people move, but yeah, I don't know. Whoever Edmonton is starting, uh, all their running backs are cheap, so if you need a cheap option, there you go. And then, is there anyone else you would advise picking this week? Uh, Well, I got uh, William Powell in my lineup. He's playing that Montreal defense. They're not the best at the run game there, so... uh, and. I just, yeah, I think at home they could use him a bit more this week. So I, I don't, I think he's not a bad pick for his price. Um, at for myself, um, I am looking at. Um, let me go over here for the running backs. I'm going William Powell, and I'm going Jamal Morrow for myself. That's fair. Uh, I am going right now, although I've been kind of flipping my lineup a fair bit more recently here. Um, I've got Walter Fletcher and Johnny Augustine in there right now. And just because Fletcher is that home run hitter and I picked Nathan Rourke, so I have to go cheap somewhere this week. So I decided to cheap out on my running backs. And then let's jump to wide receiver. Uh, I guess slim pickings this week. There's definitely some people I think you guys could find that I didn't recommend here, but I've got Kenny Lawler. Uh, he looked good regardless uh, of Cornelius being in, so there's not a huge drop-off there, I don't think. Greg Ellingson, been steady all year, been red-hot lately, so he might be worth jumping on. Tim White, uh, another consistent receiver. He and Schaefer Baker, uh, they've been using him kind of all over the place, so I think he's a good pick. Um, Dunbar, uh, again... Pretty consistent. Hatcher, he had the one bad week, but that was against Winnipeg, so I think he bounces back. And those are kind of my advisable wide receiver picks. Is there anybody else that you would pick this week? I'd say, I'm just going to add one. If you can afford him, Duke Williams for the Riders, every game he's played in, he has had, like his lowest game is 10, and his highest is 20. And That's he's had games. He got me zero what? one week. He got me zero oh, one week. I remember that. He didn't play that game. No, he, he played. He played. I was mad because he oh, was in okay. and he got zero points. Sorry, then that's well, I don't think that'll happen again. But yeah, he's, better not. Like he's got he's got three touchdowns this year. Like they're gonna keep throwing to him and they did last week. So whoever's that quarterback, I think they'll throw it his way. Yeah, that's for myself. I'm going a bit um out of left field with my wide receiving unit this week. Um is it going to work? Probably not. But here we are. Um, I'm actually rolling with uh, one of our value picks. We'll get into those. But um, I've got Carlton Agadosi from the Bombers really showed out. Um, Then I have Darvin Adams um, and Kyle Loxley as well. Just a couple of lower um, lower priced options that I'm hoping will make a little bit of noise. I like the low key status of Loxley. And I do have that value pick in my lineup too. I'll say that. But Darvin Adams, I don't know. That's a risky one for me because he's got goose eggs on it that uh on the sheet, so I don't know how much I trust that. But I believe fair enough. And for defense, uh, this was a hard week for me, and 
I've been struggling with defensive picks lately, honestly. So the only matchup that I really like and think is exploitable is the Winnipeg versus Edmonton uh, in terms of offense versus defense. Cornelius looked fine last week, but I mean, Winnipeg's defense is a whole different monster and they feasted on him. I know one time they played last week and the DBs in Winnipeg just seem to be getting every tip drill uh, possible. So I feel like they're going to get a lot of picks. So uh, I think that's the defense to roll with this week. Uh, would you guys consider any other defenses this week? Yeah. Um. um uh, sorry, I'm just going to say the Riders. Uh, yeah, they're at home this week. They have been dominant at home this week. Or sorry, this year. Uh, they'll probably have AC Leonard back. And uh, there was someone else that was gone for the game. Charleston Hughes, he'll be playing probably. So... Yeah, I'd expect them to have a few sacks and uh, a few turnovers. You don't usually win back-to-back games, so I think the Riders will come out on top, and the defense will play really well. Um, yeah, for myself, I'm actually going with the uh, I'm going with the Ottawa Red Blacks, and the reason for that is just because Ooh. budgeting issues. I was not allowed to pick the top three. Interesting. Um, and then just looking through the the matchups, I I like Montreal. I like Ottawa's against Montreal. 13 yeah. points last week, man. That's not bad. It's a hot take, but hey, I like it. Um, For me, I would say with the Saskatchewan defense, and unfortunately we didn't cover this in the news, it just got announced or kind of brought up to me, is the Riders, uh, an unknown ma- amount of players and support staff uh, got the virus. Uh, I'm not going to say it because it'll get you censored on some platforms, but yeah, um, you can you can probably take a good guess at what virus that they got that has been devastating the world for a little bit here. Um, so we don't know who exactly got it. Uh, it was just listed as some players and support staff. So just pay attention to the news, see which riders are you know not playing. So I would just give that little bit of feedback. Now on to our value picks. I got Reggie White uh, relatively consistent this year. Uh, had a couple games where he missed, but he's been basically Dalton shown light. And then I've got Kyle Loxley. Uh, gets those rushing touchdowns, so he's a sneaky good pick. Uh, Cam Phillips has really come into his own lately. And then Carlton Agadosi, uh, our offensive player of the week last week, was just stellar. And... Unfortunately, stole all the shown targets for those of you who picked Dalton Schoen, but I think he was just so dominant. I think he has to be involved in this offense uh, going forward. And then for locks this week, uh, I have... Oh, wait, I should ask, do you guys have any other value picks? No, I got Carlton and Kai Loxley, so yeah, no, I'm going the same way. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Fair enough. Alright, so let's jump into our locks. Um, I've got Nathan Rourke, as I typically do when he's playing, so yeah, I think he's going to have a good week this week going up against a bad Hamilton team. He, he probably will. Uh, I have Jamal Morrow. He just seems like he is a perfect pick at running back this year, leading the league in uh, yards and probably touchdowns, if not close, so uh, yeah, I just think he's a great pick to have and a good lock this week. Yeah, um, I feel like I'm going to be uh, Max Kellerman real quick. We got the fate of the world with a 
The Martians got the laser pointed at the Earth. I want Agadosi. Um <laughs> But but no, I am going with Carlton Agadosi. I am very uh very high on him. Um as he is a tall man, and I have wanted very much for just a tall wide receiver for the bombers for the past while. Fair enough. I mean it certainly worked for them. He was snagging stuff out of the air pretty nicely last game, so uh, I highly doubt his targets are going to significantly decline next week. And then let's get into our predictions. And one thing you're excited for for these games. Um, so Carter and I still can't seem to shake each other despite the different picks uh, last week. We are 17 and 6 uh, together still. So first game is Montreal versus Ottawa. I have Montreal winning. And one thing I am looking forward to is to see if Caleb Evans can follow up his performance. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, I'm taking Ottawa for that game. And my and my thing I'm excited for is to see... It's, it's pretty much the same thing. It's the quarterback battle. Like, I still feel like Trevor Harris could lose his job and Vernon Adams could get it back. And also, like, if Caleb Evans wants to keep his job, he's really got to show out. So, yeah, I'm excited for the quarterback battle in that game. Yeah, I mean, I can't really add much to that, but I'm going, uh, I am going Ottawa and I am hoping to see a lot of, uh, just a lot of offense in this game, to be honest. Um, I'm hoping to see both of these, uh, both of these offenses really show out. For sure. And then let's jump into the next game, which is BC versus Hamilton. And one thing I'm looking forward to in this game is, I would just say again, Nathan Rourke, Canadian quarterback, continuing his success. That's fair. I'm taking BC this week to win, but the thing I'm excited to see is if Hamilton can follow up their performance and, or like you know, if they can actually make this make this game competitive this week. It's our, it's the biggest test of the year. So I think if anything, they want to show a message. This is the week to try to show and prove that. Um, I'm going with BC and what I'm excited about is I'm excited to see how BC is going to respond, um, with this being the first game since their first loss of the season. Fair enough. And then the next Good. game is Winnipeg versus Edmonton. And one thing I'm looking forward to is to see if Agadosi keeps it up and if he is that guy. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that too. Uh, I got Winnipeg this week, but the thing I'm excited, well, I'm excited. I'm curious to see if Deron Carter actually plays this week, and if he does, what kind of impact he actually has on the field. Because, I mean, it's been two, maybe three years without football for him, so is this just a Chris Jones experiment gone wrong, or is it going to pan out really well? Yeah, I've talked to, I've talked about him a couple of times now, obviously, but uh, going Winnipeg, and I want to see if Agadosi is a one-hit wonder. Hopefully not. I mean, I'm putting a lot of eggs in his basket, so hopefully he'll be able to go out again, but I'm excited to see if he can keep that um that level of productivity rolling. For sure. And then Saskatchewan against Toronto, I have kind of I've got Saskatchewan winning this one and again, I think they're playing for pride, sort of like the loss to Montreal, like the home and home series versus Montreal, I should say. But one thing I'm looking forward to for this game is I'd say see who they start at quarterback because if Mason Fine starts, I want to see what he can do and I want to see what Cody looks like uh, in this week as well. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of feeling the same way. Uh, I'm picking the Riders this week, and I'm excited for two things. I'm excited to see, yeah, if Mason Fine does play, what kind of game he plays and how well he does. And then if he doesn't and it's just Cody, then I'm really excited to see how the defense responds to last week's game. They, You know, they still did give up a few points, so I am excited to see them show out at home, hopefully. Yeah, I'm excited to see who's going to be able to get the uh, momentum right off the bat because I think that'll be huge in telling who's going to win this game. But that being said, I do have Saskatchewan. And for those fans of the CFL who may not know what Mason Fine is, in case he does start, um, think of him as Kevin Glenn. Um, Undersized guy, isn't necessarily a dual threat, but has an accurate arm that can hurt you. So that's, if you're wondering what Mason Fine is, Thank Kevin Glenn. And then off the pod activities. So for me, um, the boys sadly ended. So I have not really found a TV show to watch just yet to replace that. Um, I'm actually going to change mine for now. Um, I actually saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So that was that's my off the pod activity. It took you long enough. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what did you think about it? I thought it was just okay. I thought it was a little darker than I expected from a Marvel movie, and I kind of like it. That's like true. Yeah, uh, the Scarlet Witch snapping Professor X's neck. Like, damn, that's cold. Like, I I didn't expect sure. that in a Marvel movie, but I'm here for it. Yeah, no, that that was I, I like that movie. I actually really enjoyed that one. Um my off the pod activity, I guess, right now, it's been just a lot of work and hanging out, but uh I've been watching a show called Westworld. I think I mentioned it last week, but it's like this uh Western kind of not VR, but like you go into this game with robots and stuff and you can do literally whatever you want to them or with them. And yeah, I'm in season two, just about season three, and it's really good. So yeah, Mike, you would actually probably like it. It's kind of like futuristic, but also Western. It's it's really good, and the story just keeps twisting. It's got Anthony Hopkins and a whole bunch of really good actors in it. Oh, okay. What's it on? Uh, Crave. Okay, yeah. I think my cousin has that, so I'll, I'll watch it on there. Or or it's on that website. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, so for myself, I finally was able to get myself a MIDI keyboard, which is basically for those who don't know when they're producing music, um, you can plug it in and it's a like piano keyboard and any sound that you're able to pull from your DAW, which is basically like Ableton FL Studio, basically what you're using on your computer to make the music, any sound that you can make or grab from there, you'll be able to simply play out and it basically is just a it makes your life so much easier when you're producing music, and I have been loving it so far. Fair enough. Yeah, that sounds cool. I know you're getting a little bit into that music production business, and I think you're going to have to make our podcast intro soon enough, because I know we're thinking about getting a new Ooh, one. Ooh, there we so go. Maybe that's something we get you to do, but we'll leave that, uh, leave that for now. Put a pin in it. Um, I believe that concludes the show. Um, once again, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, um, you can go and follow the podcast on our social media at True North CF Pod on 
Twitter and Instagram and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Facebook. If you search True North Canadian Football Podcast, you will also be able to listen to the show on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, for the True North Canadian Football Podcast, uh, this is Mike Schwan signing off.